to the Stay At Home Festival podcast. Producer Trent here, two very regular shambles chums on the show today, joining Robin and Josie. It's Matt Parker, Stand Up Maths, and Professor Lucy Green, and also someone you will have no doubt seen at many Nine Lessons and Carols for Curious People shows over the years, poet Joshua Idahan. Cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home is where you can go to leave a tip or a donation for artists and venues and whatnot who uh, have no income at the moment. And if you'd like to just support us for doing the shows and everything else, patreon.com slash bookshambles is where you can do that. Here's today's show. Hello, good morning and welcome to the Shambles Stay at Home Festival with, uh, I'm Robin Ince and, and somewhere in one corner or one side is Josie Long. Hello, Josie Long. Hello, how are you? Your teeth are looking great, by the way, just in case you're wondering. I don't know if you were doing that as a... Uh, I, I just watching... wanted to show everyone, I just watching... wanted to show everyone that when you're 11 and the dentist tells you you need a brace and you say, I've already got enough going on and I'll get teased even more, and they say, okay... You should get a second opinion where the dentist just still gives you the brace anyway. Because you know, I, I had a brace at the age of 48 and it was uh, not yeah, a, pleasant, it was a kind of uh, ridiculous thing. And uh, and also there was my, my dentist, who's a lovely dentist, a man called Simon Godley, who's an excellent comedy actor as well and does uh, lots of other things. Uh, he, uh, he recently said, why don't you get your teeth bleached as well? And I was like, why not? I've spent all that money having straight. And then I've stopped doing it because I thought the idea now of having very white teeth during the apocalypse somehow feels wrong. It somehow feels like it's really exaggerating what may well be wrong with the pampered West when it confronts these kind of things, which I would still be there going, I know, I know there's death all around, but look at my lovely teeth. And that on top of your Botox. And that on top of your Botox. It would be yeah. just too much. I'm still only doing one side. <laughs> uh, um, so you can do a kind of Victor Victoria thing. Yeah, I, I, uh, one day I was trapped in a permanent wink, which was awful. I couldn't go out for that day for fear oh. of uh, accidental seediness. Um, the uh, What is your show and tell today? We, go, oh, we should tell, tell everyone who's on, by the way. We have, uh, I hope they don't mind me saying, but I, I would say very much the heart-to-heart of um, science communication, the Stephanie Powers and, uh, and, and Robert Wagner. And uh, the one friend of mine used to call him Robert Wagner. And I picked her up on that, and we didn't speak again for 10 years. Anyway, but uh, we're joined by uh, Stan Mathison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she went, well, I always thought Robert Wagner. And I went, Robert Wagner? Robert Wagner. You know when you've got what you thought was a strong friendship, but just picking up on the Wagner-Wagner confusion was enough to destroy it. Uh, anyway, stand-up mathematician, Matt Parker, and uh, someone a, a, a solar expert and someone who was trying to see the moon through, unfortunately, cloud cover yesterday, uh, Lucy Green. And we also have uh, a, a poet and uh, a writer and uh, a singer. It does so many different things. Uh, wonderful performer. I think I think I th- actually it wasn't the Latitude Festival where I first met him. That's where I second met him. Uh, and uh, he's been at Joshua Edahan. So we're going to be joining him in about 20 minutes. There this we is, go, just like daytime. I did it proper, didn't I? This is my show and tell item. It's tell two, item. It's two little twin mice that I bought for my daughter at a vastly inflated price because they came in a little matchbox. And the matchbox was beautifully designed. And you'd open it up and, oh, surprise, little twin mice. And then I recycled the matchbox without realising. So now they're just regular toys 
that I oh. now see. The veil has been lifted from my eyes that I just spent over the odds before before all of this on two tiny little twin mice. So, so they're not in any way related to your heroin panda that we met the other day. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. But this is my life now. No, yeah. no, no. And that's all I have today. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I have, what uh, do you I, have. I had just, I, I woke up early enough this morning to catch a little bit of Doug McClure and Peter Cushing in At the Earth's Core, did some exercise, and have had time to go to the shed. And uh, so I was digging through, uh, I, I have so many, it's amazing how quickly uh, technology becomes entirely archaic and redundant. Mm -hmm. And now looking at VHS videotapes, hearing the rattle inside the box. I mean, I've realized DVDs now are also entirely, but I was looking at, I have so many of these. And uh, I just found this one of my favorites, uh, Glenn or Glenda, there we go, uh, which is by uh, Ed Wood, who was, I suppose, made yeah. famous for a really a third time by the Tim Burton movie um, but it's just uh, it's, it's a fascinating uh, and, and bizarre film and he wasn't the worst filmmaker in the world you know it's, it's, but the one that I was really pleased to find is this you might might have seen it Josie is Hell Comes to Frogtown in which <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper who sure. is the uh, only person, the only still uh, potent and non-sterile human male, uh, then <laughs> has to go to a town populated by people with the heads of frogs. And it is as good as you can imagine, which I mean, it really is. It, it is a proper entertainment. Rowdy Roddy Piper, most famous, I suppose, for that, that moment for many people in They Live, where I go, I've come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass and I'm all out of gum. Anyway, he was, he was a wonderful uh, wrestling personality, died uh far too young and this is uh, a tremendously insane if i still had a vhs player what's it called would, again hell comes to frog town <laughs> the the sequel hell comes to frog town 2 is not as good because it turns out a frog town scenario is very much a one movie scenario mm. And how could they possibly have predicted that? They couldn't have known. <laughs> they would have thought it would be. A, they would have thought it would be a franchise. So, what is in your shed? Can you talk me through it as if it's, we're on a virtual tour? It is. It's just. It's, it's weird old magazines and uh, the the remnants of, of bicycle frames and all of that kind. Of, it, it's not. So a, it's, it's not a luxury of, shed. I'll make it clear. It's not a luxury shed. It, but that that to me but that that to me is a gift you've given your son because when i was a kid i remember the times i got into the shed my dad had a shed at the bottom of the garden the times i got in were like the most magical exciting times because you just the idea of all these different things that would have kind of i don't know stories attached to them but you've actually given him like real treasure like boxes of old weird books and things that he well, could that's just what, Great Same aunt used to have a small shed uh, next to her maisonette. And inside there were loads of old copies of the Radio Times. And as an huh. eight-year-old, I would sit there. And, of course, 1974 was so long ago in 19... And I would sit there just reading the listings huh. in this, this magical golden age of television, which it turned out wasn't. Summertime Seaside Special, as we dealt with, was not necessarily a high point culturally. Um, should we meet? Uh, many people will... Oh, by the way, I should also mention right at the top of it before, for uh, happy birthday, Julie Grant. And uh, Julie was, I think, as far as I know, on her list of things to do, she was going to see Matt uh, on tour on one of the gigs, which is currently being uh, cancelled. And uh, so Julie's missing out. And there's a few other things she's missing out on uh, that were meant to be happening for her birthday. So anyway, happy birthday, Julie Grant. And here, as a special treat, is Matt Parker Lucy and Lucy Green. Green. 
Hi. You're on mute, I think, at the moment, which is... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. See, that oh, classic. Coming through. There you are. So <laughs> we uh, forgot who was in charge of the mute button, and it was me. <laughs> wow. Well, Lucy, we'll start with you, because you, you uh, um, last night, you uh, I, was, I was following your Twitter feed, and of course, you know, you're always keeping us up to date with the things to go and look at, at, at the night sky, and the moon last night. So can you tell us a little bit about well, what was the phenomenon, and um, what made it so alluring last night? So, so I guess my answer to that question will probably be different to other people's answer because um, it was called the pink supermoon. And to me, um, it's just a full moon that happens in April. <laughs> so I don't want like, to take the shine off of it. But I mean, it was spectacular. And the reason actually it was called a supermoon is that um, the moon in its orbit around the Earth varies in its distance from us. And last night we had the a sort of collision of the time when we had full moon and the time when the moon was relatively close to the Earth in its orbit. So actually the moon was bigger in the sky and therefore it was brighter. So actually it was a fairly spectacular moon. But I know astronomers get quite uppity about um, these kind of names of pink supermoon or blue supermoon or all these things. But I think that it's good to get the message out there. And if it encourages people to go out and have a look, then that's a really good thing. And last night on Twitter, people were sending the most amazing photos in, which I really appreciated because where we live... Yeah, yeah what do we see? We, we, yeah, I mean, we've got this big hill behind the house and I could see the moonlight sort of coming up and I thought, oh, brilliant, brilliant. And the skies were okay. But then as the moon came over the hill, the clouds set in. So actually I didn't get a very good view oh, at all. No. Yeah. As, the, uh, as the supportive spouse to a professional astronomer, I've spent a lot of my life at ridiculous hours of the day and night standing in fields looking at clouds. <laughs> <laughs> it's the traditional, it's, it's like being a BBC stargazing reenactment group, isn't it? Because, it is. yeah, that was the grand tradition of, of that. I remember the oh, year yeah. of the, the big eclipse year. year. I, uh, I'm trying to remember, Josie, when it, it was a... Uh, oh, hang on. No, I can't remember. But it was <laughs> a while ago. It was, you know, August, it was the Edinburgh Fringe, and I have never known Edinburgh to be overcast for the entirety of August. <laughs> right from the start, you knew that in quite a kind of, I suppose, alluring a, a, a and enigmatic way, you would know an eclipse was occurring, but you couldn't see it. You could only imagine the eclipse behind that blanket of cloud. Yeah, that was like the one in 1999 where we had the total eclipse and we all went down to Cornwall and, you know, everyone thought Cornwall was going to break break off the end of the country because of the weight of all the people there and we went down my colleagues went down my family went down we were camping it was amazing the weather was great except for the day of the eclipse when it was total cloud cover and the next day was beautiful <laughs> that's the one i remember i remember going outside i remember going outside the flat with my mum and trying to use the use the thing you were supposed to look through yeah the eclipse skewers I have such a vivid memory of sort of like the grass and like exactly where we stood. It's very evocative, but I have no memory of the eclipse. So, you know. <laughs> I know some people there was there's almost a uh, as people have different kind of dystopian visions and ideas in their heads during this particular time there is that that day of the triffids kind of fear that there will be during this period some wonderful flamboyant display in the sky and then everyone will wake up uh, having lost their sight and mm. there will only be one survivor and the plants will be alive and vicious isn't there a meteorite or a comet that might be Oh, what? oh, yeah, so there's the Comet comet um, Atlas. I've forgotten the precise name of it, but there was a newly discovered comet at the end of last year. 
And so it was, it was discovered by one of these sort of sky surveys that's looking out for new objects. And the, 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 it looked like this comet was going to become a naked eye comet in May. So that kind of portent of doom story. But the comet don't nucleus, look at it. Yeah, don't look at it. But the comet nucleus is disintegrating now, oh, I think. So it probably fun. won't be as bright as initially. But also, May's a bit late. It come in February, <laughs> yeah. you know, or last <laughs> November. This happened before the uh, pandemic, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Matt, you're someone, that, so often I've seen you doing incredible, incredible things. things with statistics and analysis of them and, and, and also to explain to people how easily we can misunderstand them. A time like this, I would imagine that you have, have you been quite preoccupied with with looking at some of the things that have been thrown up by the, by the newspapers, sometimes in the mass media, and I wonder if there's any in particular which you thought, oh, right, I really need to break this down for uh, for people. Yes, because, because suddenly everyone cares about exponential growth and everyone cares about infection like disease models. And actually, um, uh, Hannah Fry, another fantastic uh, mass communicator who you've had on your shows, um, Robin and Josie, she did a whole BBC show about um, pandemics mm. like about a year or so ago. And now when you watch it, you're like, back then, what was amazing stuff people didn't know. Now people watch it and they're like, yeah, we know that. That's obvious. Of course, we know how disease modeling works. Of course, we know to wash your hands and all this transmission stuff. I've been asked occasionally to either write something or speak on it. But at the moment, there's been such a wealth of people who are actually qualified um, being prepared to step out there and um, talk about the complexity of these models and how there's so many unknowns and how it's very difficult to balance what all the unknowns are. And I've seen other people who go out there who kind of have half an idea and it can often get taken the wrong way or the media won't distinguish this is just someone's vague thoughts about exponential growth versus this is a very well thought out professional disease model. So I think at the moment the experts are doing an amazing job and I've been deliberately leaving them to it. I think the only thing is own there's a, a YouTuber called Three Blue One Brown who is fantastic. And they have done some amazing animations that show exponential growth and um how um infection rates are changed by um proximity of people and how they move around. And so whenever I have a thought, oh maybe I should do something on this, I'm like, eh, three blue one brown's already done it to such an incredible level. So at the moment I'm I've been very impressed with the amount the the amount and quality of mass explaining that's going on. We were we were talking we about, about this with Tim Minchin yesterday, which was uh, I don't know how you feel, but at the moment, I get a sense that media ha has had to actually turn to experts. Mm. Uh, there seems to be, and it might just be because I'm looking in particular directions, a decline in the professional pundit and an increase in actually seeing people who are who are properly. And and I, I wondered what yeah. what your reaction to that is. Yeah, well, I, I have a strong reaction to that being an academic because for a long time, you know, the kind of we're we're sick of experts narrative that was out was really worrying so you're right it is it is good that actually when the times have got really tough that experts have been drawn back in again to give opinion and it and and we're able to use data to inform our decisions yeah i think it's because like you're discussing with tim there has been obviously there's a rise of conspiracy theory it's caused by 5g it's a manufactured um bioweapon all these things but I think that that's inevitable. And 
there's probably not been as much as I would have expected. It's not been horrific. Not in this country, no, I think. No, that's true. When you true. start to look over the pond, then... It's different. Yeah, yeah, good point, good point. But I think uh, th- I think where it counts, it's uh, I was impressed at how quickly everyone turned to actual experts and people who have been spent their lives trying to work out how to model these things. Obviously, we could have done more to have funded the sorts of support structures we'd need in advance. But now that we're here, I've I've been impressed at how much we've been using experts. And there's been a massive response in the academic community. So I see emails all the time coming from my university, UCL, to try and get people mobilised, giving them support, providing networks. The Royal Society is also coordinating a big effort. So they've been saying, right, we've got all these different skills. Um, Let's now now we now we're sort of into it. Let's bring people together and bring a diverse range of skills in and see what we can do. So um, it kind of feels like the the community has gone right, okay, let, let's, the stuff we were working on was important, but let's put it to the side for the moment because actually we've got more important things well, to work on. Early on, I'm like, when do you get called up? Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, they might, eventually they work through all the medics and then they're like, oh, all right, the chemists, they can help. And eventually you're like, okay, theoretical physicists, we just need anyone well, now. I mean, you joke about it and we did joke about it, but actually we had a staff meeting on Monday and we and people have volunteered to be helping on in this effort. So people have gone, yeah, I can do modelling, I can do data analysis. Right. Well, so let's think of ways that we can contribute. So, so you're right, it has come down and now people not me directly but my colleagues who are doing very similar things have thought yeah actually i i think i can help <laughs> well that was interesting because because I think hopefully it might have created a different understanding in terms of mathematics, because a, a few weeks ago, there was a letter uh, which was signed by, I think, about 160, 170 uh, academics. And quite a few of them were mathematicians involved in statistical modelling. And people, I saw people on Twitter go, what do they know about uh, coronavirus? They're mathematicians. Yeah. Now, does it, do, do you hope that now people maybe understand that this is not just you living in some kind of strange, you know, I'm trying to remember what that that thing was where uh, the phantom toll booth, you know, going into a cartoon world where the numbers are alive, that they actually mean something. I mean, I mean, we, let's not throw that out as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it, there's been, I've seen a few like uh, meme like images being passed around of like bored students in class being taught exponential growth or something. And they're like, oh, when are we gonna need to know this? And now, actually there's a great, someone sent me, there's like an exponential plot of the amount of time people have spent looking at exponential (laughs) plots over the last month, which I found highly entertaining. And so it is nice that um, what was seen as quite theoretical research, and don't get me wrong, statistics and disease modeling and these things are very much at the, the applied end of the mathematical spectrum, but they can still often be viewed as just being, you know, like a lot of mathematics for the sake of it. And that's where a lot of it does start out. But now all of a sudden it's incredibly useful, which is, which is nice. What bugs me, um, actually, I have thought of one thing that's annoyed me. Whenever you see someone talking about exponential growth and how, because there are two terrifying things about exponential growth. There's how big the numbers get, which everyone focuses on, and there's how benign it is to start with, because exponential mm. growth starts really, really quiet and small, and for mm. the first however long, you're like, huh, this is fine, and then suddenly it explodes. Nothing changes, it's just this accumulative effect. But then you'll see people in the comments, whatever, going, oh, yeah, but that requires, uh, you know, an infinite infinitely many people or something. Like, oh, that doesn't work because there's only a finite population. And like, yeah, like the modelers and the mathematicians know that. And there's a thing called logistical growth, which is where eventually 
you start to saturate or you hit a threshold in the population where there aren't enough new people to get infected and then the curve by itself flattens off. And yeah, we know that happens, but it doesn't happen until an incredible percentage of the population have already become infected. And just because we're, and it's indistinguishable from exponential early on. So that kind of, ah, gotcha, is disappointing because it, we're trying to avoid getting to that. It's not a case of, well, eventually, if everyone's dead, uh, <laughs> The virus cures itself. I'm like, yeah, we get, we get that. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we've had a, a, a load of questions in as well from uh, various people who watch this. Uh, first one's for you, uh, Lucy. I'm not sure who this, this is from, uh, but they would like to know, how close could we actually get a telescope or order, orbiter to the sun with current huh. technology before it just melts and burns up? Wow. Oh, so yes. uh, the, the the melting point of you know what, you know, what, is, what is the the highest melting point for yeah. any object that may be useful as an orbiter? Oh yes, so um, it's making me think of when orbiters were sent to Venus. The Soviets sent orbiters, um, sorry, not orbiters, landers to Venus, where the temperature is five hundred degrees Celsius, and I think they lasted for like half an hour or something, but you know before the solder and the you know electronics melted. Um, so, but it, it's a really good question because at the moment we've got two probes that are in orbit around the sun and are getting really close so the one that's closest to my heart is the european one called solar orbiter and um we were lucky enough to see that launch from florida just get my jacket. um oh yeah matt's, <laughs> matt's got solar orbiter jacket he's gone to get it um uh, uh, sorry, I've lost my throat. In, in February, and then Parker Solar Probe, which is the NASA mission, which launched um, a couple of years before. So yeah, we were out seeing the launch, and here we are. Good, good branding here. So this yeah. is the Solar Orbiter mission patch, um, yeah. and we launched. Look, what, watched it launch from the NASA website at uh, the NASA site um, so how close can we get come back to the question well Parker Solar Probe eventually gets to about I think it's about four percent of the sun earth distance so that's a few million miles from the sun um, and we on the earth are 93 million miles from the sun so Parker Solar Probe at closest approach it's um it's sun facing side will heat up to over a thousand degrees celsius but what happens is you build a heat shield that protects the spacecraft. So even though the side facing the sun is really hot, all the instruments inside are kept not far off room temperature. And that's the same for solar orbiter, which doesn't get quite as close, quite as close, gets to about 28% of the sun-Earth distance um, and has a significant heat shield too to keep all its um, instruments inside okay. So it's kind of a heat shield so that we can get as close as we want to and keep the spacecraft protected. And they've got little holes for the telescopes to poke out. Yeah, so Solar Orbiter does, you're right. So Parker Solar Probe doesn't have cam cameras on board that look at the sun. Um, it goes too close for that. But so happening at the moment. Oh, no, right. sorry, so sorry. seeing you live in this context, and he's thrilled. Hey, birthday. His, yeah. Oh, that's good. His question is, have you made any more progress in perfecting the three by three squared number magic right. square? Thanks a lot. <laughs> I said happy birthday to you. Uh, so um, for those unfamiliar with this, so there's a thing in mathematics called a magic square. And that's where you get a grid of numbers. And as you often do with a grid of numbers, you can add up the columns and you get totals and you can add the rows to get totals. And a magic square is where all the columns and all the rows always give you the same total. And um, we've known about these for um, thousands and thousands of years. It's one of the oldest bits of recreational mathematics. However, no one has ever found 
a three by three magic square where all the numbers are themselves square numbers. So they're all something squared. And so that's an open problem in mathematics. No one's ever found one. No one's ever managed to prove that it doesn't exist. So a couple of years ago, I thought I'd give it a go. <laughs> and so, and I knew I wasn't going to do it, right? Because like mm -hmm. people way smarter and with, with more computing power and better at programming than me have given it a go. But I gave it a go just for fun. So I wrote some software to try and search for these things. And it was a fun exercise in how would I write the code? What's the most efficient way to do this? And it was terrible. Um, but, but I gave it a go, and I found one that was close, but not quite. Oh, uh, how close are we talking? So it's a three-by-three three magic square. Mm -hmm. I had to use some numbers more than once. So there's three numbers that are in there twice, which is cheating, um, because you could just have a three-by-three three square, but they're all, they're all the number one. And you're like, ta-da. Right? So <laughs> it was better than that, but it wasn't, wasn't perfect. And one diagonal. So all the rows, all the columns, and one diagonal give you the correct total, and then uh, the other diagonal is wrong. So I was uh. off by one sum. But anyway, so a, a friend of mine was like, hey, we'll make a YouTube video about it. I'm like, oh, yeah. So we made the YouTube video. And while I'm explaining it all and how I tried to do this thing, and it wasn't very good, he's like, oh, what are you going to call that? I'm like, I'm not going to name it the Parker Square because then – you'll be like, whenever someone does something and gets it wrong, you're like, nah, classic Parker Square. <laughs> and, and this guy, he runs a channel called Numberphile, which um, we just passed pi million subscribers, which is very exciting. <laughs> uh, we don't celebrate the rational um, milestones. <laughs> and uh, he's like, oh, I'll make a big deal of it. And then he named it the Parker Square, and he released a range of T-shirts um, with my close but not good enough uh, achievement on it. <laughs> and so now people like Tommy who I can almost guarantee owns one of these shirts and is going to wear it to the show. Um, they show up at my shows wearing the T-shirt because it's it's a, a form of bullying through apparel. Um, <laughs> show up at my talks wearing Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's the stealth uh, bullying. So, yeah, so people show up. So I, I, um, when, you know when you meet people after the show, uh, uh, quite a few people will be wearing the Parker Square uh, T-shirt. And so they get a photo of me looking unimpressed. And they're all like, hey, and I'm like, just honestly, uh, there yes. it is. Hey, is, is that the person in question? Yep. Or did you just Google? This, yeah, yeah, this is yeah. him. This is That's him. Tommy. There you are, Tommy. <laughs> so all my shows, because I've been to be on tour. The tour started last night. Um, but obviously, like everything has been canceled. I've postponed all the dates to September and October. And uh, most of them are confirmed now. So at some point, did Tommy say what? Where are they in the country? Which show were they going to? Oh, do we know? Uh, I think it might have been somewhere in the Midlands. Where were you meant to be tonight? Oh goodness, I'll have to check. Well, um, don't worry about that. That's um, I was Norwich last night. Um, I think I think they're in Letchworth. If that helps, Letchworth has been rescheduled. So um, so I forget if it's September, September, October. If you go to standupmaths.com. Uh, there's a shows page on there and it's got all the new dates on it. So anyone who has got a Parker Square t-shirt, Tommy included, I will see you at a show. Right, well, we're going to come back. We've got a load, load more questions to come as well. Uh, we quickly mentioned to you, uh, because the thing about art centres, one of the things that we're, we're doing, oh. we have a tip jar at the bottom of of, uh, of this page, whether you're watching on YouTube afterwards, you're watching live now, and uh, I hope you're enjoying it enough. And if you are in, in the position to, uh, any of the money we get, uh, don't worry, I'm not taking it. We're sharing it out with uh, some of the acts who are uh, currently finding it very, very hard, because, of course, for a lot of people, it, that that was every week 
was they they would earn doing pubs and clubs and that was how they pay their bills and we're also hoping i saw a sad thing that uh somewhere yeah you played, the artrix uh, the artrix in in bromsgrove a lovely uh art center i don't know if if if, if matt or lucy have, have been there as well um sadly that is going to have to close oh no is yeah we're we're, we're we're hoping with some of the funding that we're we're getting and some of the very kind donations we've had from people we're hoping to have some resources to at least be able to send money to some of the smaller art centers some of the places around the country to make sure that there are places to play in in october and there are places for people to go um so uh, we're very sorry to hear about the art tricks but anyway thank you very much everyone who's been donating we were going to try and distribute that to some of the places around the country which we we, we know well and which are lovely places to go um now uh ladies and gentlemen welcome as you know everyone we welcome them to now live in their front room as you are live in your front room or attic room uh as i said a, a poet that i first met doing a gig in the east end actually i think it was a, a, a poetry gig uh with kate tempest amongst others and uh since then uh i've done a few other gigs and he's always absolutely brilliant when i see him at festivals and it is joshua, and it is joshua how are you doing how are you doing josh Hi. hello hello this has been a a uh, very informative conversation. I've, I've 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 sat through the whole thing and really enjoyed it. Um, I just wanted to make a, a few statements. Uh, first off, there's a friend of mine, a colleague of mine called Ty. He I don't know if you guys know about Ty the rapper. Um, he recently went into a coma because of COVID. Well wishes, and I hope he makes it through. Um, with that being said, I, I'm actually quite surprised you guys all managed to talk about Total Eclipse and no one ever said Total Eclipse of the Heart. Yeah. <laughs> no, we all had Bonnie Tyler in our head. I, I just Jones don't get it. Bonnie uh, Tyler in our head. It was, no no was, scientists. They're above such things. It was a whole 30 minutes. Also, talking, <laughs> <laughs> talking about conspiracy theories, I'm um, uh, basically there's a problem that's been going around. I don't know if you guys have been suffering it, but uh, as Nigerian, my mom tends to get a lot of uh, chain text messages on WhatsApp. It's how she says hello to me. So it's oh, like yeah. every WhatsApp every WhatsApp message I get from my mom is usually like, oh, someone someone with AIDS has poured his blood into Coca-Cola, so don't drink Coca-Cola. Or at 12 midnight, switch off your phone because, you know, all phones are going to be delivering a message from Satan saying <laughs> that he has all your pictures. So, and uh, Zuckerberg has signed a deal. But now it's kind of like taking a very, very dark turn because all the messages she's getting now are all, oh, when the, when the vaccine arrives, don't take the vaccine because the coronavirus was designed to kill Africans. And so I basically forced my mom to uh, said to her, like, if you want to share a chain text, send it to me first and I'll tell you if it's a lie. So these are my, these are the current conversations I have with my mom every day. My son... Tell me if this is true. Mom, it's a lie. Okay, bless you. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Speak to you next week. You're that's the parental version of Snopes.com. Basically. <laughs> that's basically me. And it's driving me nuts. And oh. me and my friends, we talked about the, you know, the 5G thing is kind of like it. And we, we had a bit of a joke about it. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed. I've kind of figured it out. Basically, you know five guys. The uh, fast yeah. yeah, five guys, five guys. <laughs> five. <laughs> Wake up, guys. Wake up. Because it yeah. only opened recently. It only opened recently. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I'm an OG, right? And I have five fingers on one hand. Five. 
Jeep, bikes. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. George Soros. George Soros. Soros is five letters. And in official documents, it's always Soros, George, Soros, George, five, G. Guys, I'm I'm over your head. You know, I'm over the moon. I'm over the super moon. I'm just five members take that originally. I'm watching Matt. Matt is currently taking down all of this data and turning it into a framework of uh, which will be disseminated to the masses. Why did the pop band band five five write a five instead of an F? They were trying to warn us. Hey, hey, hey. Bill Gates. Gates. G, G, Gates. G, A, T, E, S. What is he a gate to? What is he? What is he a gate to? And remember, right? How did he make his money? He made his money sending a software, right, called Microsoft Windows. Windows. And they're telling us to stay indoors. But if our <laughs> windows are open because these micro things that travel in soft water droplets come through the wind. Guys. See, what uh, I want to see now is I was <laughs> expecting a staple to suddenly appear on my screen saying, I can see you're trying to come up with a conspiracy theory. Do you need some help? Um, the, uh, but it's, what, what's fascinating, I mean, what, what is so frightening about what you're saying is, of course, as we know, if you actually just went on the YouTube. now and said it and did it straight, there are enough people that you could probably make more money uh, as a, a, than you do as a performer peddling a concept because he said the pattern seeking nature of the human brain means you can find pat if you decide you have a, a model of the, the universe you want to believe in you can find that pattern you know i i, I just say it's just terrifying that, that i know i know hey 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 look who's joined look who's joined us look who's joined hello <laughs> hello 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 yeah. still try to join in yeah, it, Josie's uh, just gone into it. For those watching the vision mute, just because her, her 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 daughter's come on screen, so you will hear her daughter. We do hear her daughter, but we uh, she's not shown on 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 screen. Yeah, Sorry, Josie. I know. I, I was I was just I was just going to agree with you. Like I think it is the most upsetting thing watching the conspiracy cottage industry just be just blossom and grow, uh, uh, and you you see a lot of grifters, and you know they're grifters, and it does no amount of truth. You feel, I think uh, Matt Parker and um, I can't remember the lady's name. Lucy. Lucy, right. They said it best. Like we're, we're in a situation right now where finally everyone has returned back to the, the experts. Long may continue because we, it was only last year that, you know, Nigel flipping Farage was on every station going, we're tired of the experts. Here's me and my little pint. <laughs> right. And that, YouTube is a hotbed for that. I'm actually quite surprised that it was only after David Icke for, was like, what, 10 minutes away from tying this all back to lizards. Right. It was taken off air. But that that's just a, a breeding ground for them. And, and it, 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 it's a shame that it's gotten to the point where people are burning down 5G towers. Because they're all terrified that, like, oh, they, they, they've been told from people who they believe are credible sources that, um, oh, yes, this is a 5G thing. There's a lab in Italy and China. And I'd like to say that it's all, it's kind of like uneducated. I, I have a lot of friends who I've had to have serious conversations with because they honestly believe it, or at least they are open to the possibility. And, yeah, it's, it's scary times because the virus doesn't care. 
I think you're right about that thing about it, it's a, it's a bit like some people used, used to always say, you know, with with alien abduction, that the joke always used to be it'd be some bloke in his field going, well, we aliens, they came down. And, <laughs> and actually, the truth is, there's a lot of people who are educated, uh, you know, who have had university education, who have had what they believe is that it's it's a dangerous thing to just believe it's a specific problem of people where you go there has been no education because there are many different groups of people who it seems and I've I've seen that we were talking yesterday the, the number of people that I have met who now don't believe we landed on the moon who mm. are people who've who've gone as far that they've had university education they've got and they've they've reached the point where they therefore believe in their intelligence so much that when they decide they're going to you know go with that conspiracy theory so I think you're right. It, it's not just something where you can go, oh, that's a problem for those people. Yeah, it's, the, it's a problem across society. The internet was a mistake. <laughs> I the, agree. The, yeah, the internet was a mistake. We just weren't ready, just weren't for, ready it. for it. I, I, I feel like we as a species weren't ready for, for all of, of that information. And also, we didn't make enough of an effort to teach ourselves. We didn't immediately sort of think okay how can we properly integrate some sort of lessons about internet safety and um and about kind of navigating it into our curriculums we were just like we'll have half an hour a week <laughs> where you sit in the computer lab and you have to make a poster <laughs> that sorted us all out yeah I, I, you know i'm i was quite a lot one of the the courses i took that i felt had absolutely no bearing on my career was media analysis and now I oh, feel that I, I know I feel I honestly feel that um, if we ever make it out of this neo apocalyptic fascist timeline that we are all kind of like living our daily lives in where every single day is worse than the last. <laughs> um, I really feel like um, if we do ever get a leftist government in the first thing they have to do is put media training at the front and center that encapsulates uh, encapsulates everything from like you know, YouTube to WhatsApp to just be able to kind of disassemble, deconstruct the information you're getting and be able to tell that it's a lie. You see, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I got excited to join no, 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 in. Go ahead. Uh, please, please, please. I recently, uh, by the Glasgow, I think it's called the Glasgow School, the Glasgow Group. It's this group of academics that do very uh, detailed media analysis of kind of big um, media scandals. And the one that I uh, read was Bad News for Labour, which was about um, what happened in the past two years about how anti-Semitism was reported and how different people treated it. And those people have done it for all different things in, in the media in the past sort of 20, 30 years. And the thing that I've learned from it is that we are in a very bad position and that very <laughs> few people are sincere and that the people who are sincere don't get listened to. So, uh, you know, really great, really great. Yeah, we better yeah. go because we know that oh, no, Lucy, no, no. Lucy, Lucy has a meeting uh, the, 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 so we, and we're actually going to have to do this almost to time. So, Josh, if you'd like to, I know that yeah, the first time we met you were performing poetry. Uh, is there anything that you would like to you would like to do for us today? Okay, cool. So um, uh, last week when you mentioned you were doing this thing, I, you, you, you talked about scientists, comedians, and I jokingly said, what, no poets yet? What, <laughs> is this the time you're going to start you know, dissing poets? And then you went, well, write a poem then. And I went, crap. So um, <laughs> I, I have, <laughs> I've written a poem. This is literally the first time I'm performing it, so I'm going to stumble over every word. It's the first time I've written it. I wrote, I've written, I've been writing a poem a day, and... I don't want to perform a depressing piece because I feel like 
that's for when we can look back on this and be like, oh, yes, wasn't that a terrible time? I really feel like it's not. So, yeah, this is my piece. It's called When the Rona is Over. Rona is, as you all know, is slang for corona. Coronavirus, not the drink. Poor drink. Um, When the Rona is over, first point of order, straight to the barbers, then straight to mumsies. Because I know what she's like. I know what she'd say. Don't wander around ends when your hairline has no borders. I don't even drink, but when this COVID lifts, call me the mafia because I'll be sleeping with the fishes. Marina Trench style. This liver's going to get a hench now. I hope the pub stays strong because England's coming home. More prancing about, more dancing in public. I'm likely to break a bone pulling a maneuver I'm too old for. Life after COVID has to be a do-over. Next time I sit in the cinema, I'm likely to melt in a seat. I swear down, I won't sleep for a whole week. I need a sunset to be the only thing chasing me out of an overcrowded park. I want a smell of barbecue to bring, joy, to bring the joy of London back to me. I want a zigzag between yummy mummies on narrow ways. I want to ride the tube at rush hour. I need to get rid of all of this personal space. I'm ashamed to say I miss Monday armpits. I caught a whiff of some sewage in Peckham, and right then I realized there's a Thames River gap in my system. Listen, so much of this world needs to be seen. So when Rona is off the scene, I need more stamps in my passport. Imagine this full-grown Nigerian has never seen Port Harcourt, much less Kenya. Unannounced turn-ups at a friend's yard like I used to do back in Benin when the quarantine is binned mate. Hogs are back on the menu. Bear hugs, small hugs, long hugs, tight hugs, handshakes, consensual air kisses, too close for comfort, are back with a vengeance. Hand wavings and Wuhan shake, your time is done. I need embraces, the type of safety arms can create. I'm clicking attending on every invite on my Facebook calendar, man. Parties, gatherings, pub crawls, live gigs, if it's happening, I'm there, fam. Because I'm quite done with the life of no show. I hope all my friends and all their friends stay alive. Because we are all fireworks and we are due our November 5. We have so many nights to make bright. We have so much loving to get back to. When this Rona is seen through, we'll all need to meet and soon. Thank you. I love that. That's great. That's really, thank you very much. Cheers, guys. First, Um, First time I've read it, and probably be the probably last, be the last time. <laughs> no, please, no, 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 no it's great. Oh, please no, no, no. put it out there. I'm, I'm going to write so many. It's all right. It's like ah. I'm, I'm, I'm basically. Hugo Williams said someone once asked Hugo Williams, a great poet. They said, "What would, uh, uh, which would you prefer, quality or quantity?" And he goes, "Quantity." <laughs> never, you, you are never the, the judge of what is going to be a good poem. So I'm, I'm just going to write so many. Like the, I'm going to do so many takes. I'm going to write a poem about beetles flying in the sky and how free and how they don't get coronaviruses like tigers. Yeah, every topic. I'm going to write a poem about this. You know, to, being in the presence of Matt and Lucy and Josie and Robin and all these really smart people. It's, yeah. But well, we will. Uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm going to see you, and uh, we'll uh, back again doing nine lessons and, and uh, carols for curious people in December. Hopefully, everything. Oh will my be, God! Can be, you imagine it? Can yeah, you? Yeah, I think that's going to be. Oh. We're going to really. <laughs> this look is up. how I feel about everything that I think will happen. Like I think, think about, about next year's Edinburgh Festival, and I'm like, it's going to be the best Edinburgh Festival oh, that's uh, ever happened. I'm going to turn up, and I'm not even going to have a show. 
I'm just gonna turn. I'm gonna hand off flyers. I'm gonna be like, just for free, for free, just begging the rain. Rain, come! I want to hand out flyers in the rain. Let these flyers turn to mush in my hand. Oh, it's gonna be so good. Because the last time we did it, the last time we did it, which was last year, um, when I was performing, was about the time when the um, the mail-in vote, mail-in votes. Well, what are they called? Postal vote. The postal votes came in. So you could kind of watch the entire crowd just kind of like slowly dump and down whilst people were checking their phones and realize it. So I honestly, you know, and then I was kind of scared for nine lessons this year because obviously Brexit was meant to happen next year. But I think after this corona, I don't care if we leave the EU. I'm looking at last year and being like, oh, what a lovely time. <laughs> what a long it is, time. It's just really funny that everyone since 2016 has been like, well, next year can't possibly be worse. And it's like nature's like, okay, fine, you're testing me. <laughs> Josh, oh thank you so much. We, we'll put up everyone the, the, all the details of how you can follow uh, Josh's work, work and, uh, and, and support what he's doing and all of this stuff. Uh, that will be up. So have a look uh, on, on cosmicshambles.com and all of the, uh, the normal places. And underneath this, we will have all those connections there. So that is fantastic uh thank you very much i will see you in the outside world soon i hope definitely um it's so, his work is so great i really recommend it uh, a couple of quick things which is uh the albert hall gig that we were going to do on the 17th of may sea shambles uh with lem Cisse and uh british sea power and steve oh, Batchel wow. and loads of others that is uh we are gonna the, the albert hall is now doing a kind of basically i think i think i've, I've just been sent this thing a royal albert home so uh <laughs> we are going to do a kind of version of uh, of that show uh, on that night on the 17th of May and I should also quickly mention before we go back to Lucy and Matt that also there's some great stuff Cosmic Shambles where uh, back in January uh, where you were talking about seeing that launch and, and there's loads of interesting films including with Chris Hadfield and with Lucy and with Matt and uh, that's all on CosmicShambles.com uh, as well so take a look at that um, right Josie have you got more of the questions I've, I've got a load oh, yeah. I throw, throw there was one, one at, I really yeah go for it uh, this I always think about the same thing that somebody's asks, um, which, um, which is, and, and they've, they've given the caveat, I promise this is a genuine question and not just a mum who's getting annoyed at doing homeschool maths. But the person has asked, <laughs> what is the reason that we keep changing the way we teach things like long division when all of the methods seem equally good? And I always think about that. Why do they change so much? And That's anyone, because now people have to teach their kids and they're like it's all changed since i was at school yeah. and uh and a lot of people get very upset about that um so i mean the, the point is they are equally good so you're still getting the correct answer but back in the day you had to actually be able to do the long division like it was a mechanical skill because you had there's no other way to do it easily whereas now everyone's got a calculator on their phone they're changing them to techniques which are equivalent because you're still going to get the correct answer, but they're more insightful to the logic behind the division. So instead mm -hmm. of just blindly doing one that's optimized for being easy to do and avoiding mistakes, now it's optimized for insight into what division means and that's, oh, so that's a much better. more useful skill yeah later on so i can recommend there's a mate of mine rob easterway writes fantastic mm. uh, maths books he's written a couple of books called uh, maths for mums and dads where it's a, a update for parents on how maths has changed since they were at school 
That's Brilliant. perfect. I feel, yeah, that will be so useful for so many people, especially at this time. Yeah. Uh, Lucy, this is uh, another one we were talking about solar probes and orbiters, solar before. Probes and orbiters before. This is, uh, what's the difference between what the Parker Solar Probe and the Solar Orbiter are doing? Or is it just that one is NASA and one is ESA? There are differences. So, I mean, you're right, one is NASA and one is ESA. But um, during the design, the, the design of spacecraft is based on science questions that we want to answer. And so um, Parker Solar Probe and Solar Orbiter can sort of be split by the science questions that they're answering. So Parker Solar Probe will go really, really close to the sun and it will be um, getting into a part of the sun's atmosphere um, in which we think something called the solar wind is formed. And the solar wind is this fundamentally important um, component of the whole solar system because it's it's this wind that flows out from the sun and bathes all of the planets asteroids and so on so the earth is bathing in the solar wind the whole time and we don't understand really the details of how it's formed how how this wind is is sped up so parker solar probe will get into that wind source region and make measurements um, solar orbiter on the other hand will be looking at the sun from further out and measuring the stuff coming from the sun but because it has this combination of instruments of looking and sensing around the spacecraft, it will allow us to do what we call connection science. So linking what we measure around the spacecraft with where it came from in the sort of at the surface of the sun, say. So solar orbiter is a kind of like missing link. But what's fantastic is we'll have Parker Solar Probe really close. Solar orbiter a bit further out and then other spacecraft further out still. So we sort of have this chain of spacecraft allowing us to make measurements all the way close to the sun. Thanks so much. We've run out of time. Uh, we've have one, Matt. We've got a question for you, which maybe you can film the answer for this, and we can stick it up at some point. Uh, the final question is: Can you explain the, the solution? Can you explain the solution to the double six death game paradox? So that is your homework. Wow, <laughs> that is what gives you your reason to live for the day <laughs> to to do that. Um, thanks so much everyone for watching uh whether you've watched it live or whether you've watched it on youtube uh as we said we're doing a uh collecting money to try and help some of the uh performers and artists who uh, are currently uh really kind of finding it very difficult and uh of course for some of those people it's been harder as well to get any form of uh support um and also please subscribe to our youtube channel and tomorrow we have uh guilty feminist deborah francis white tom we have hey. uh pictish trail and we have johnny lynch yeah. Uh, so, so that is uh, tomorrow's show, ten o'clock live, and oh, then um, it'll be up on YouTube Hill a little bit later sorry. on. Oh, Beck Hill tomorrow! Yeah, brilliant. Yes. So, but so uh, Beck Hill, who uh, you might have seen in the in the first week as well on the day. I think that we also had David McColman on, who was amazing, um, and hopefully we'll have him back on as well. Thanks, Josie. You all right? Um, yeah, I'm all right. You all right? I'm all right. Yeah. We better <laughs> say goodbye. Thanks, Josie. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home to catch up on all the previous episodes, find out who's coming up on upcoming episodes and to leave a tip for acts and artists and venues who are hit hardest at the moment. And if you'd like to support us at the Cosmic Shambles Network, patreon.com slash bookshambles. Oh.